love it. It seems like a fresh perspective, a fresh leader in the sports performance department was on, on the bill for getting to the bottom. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, February the, what is it, the 14th? Oh, goodness, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day edition of the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here on BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. It is a good thing that my wife does not listen to this show ever, or else she would have been like, wow, you didn't realize tomorrow was Valentine's Day. Was going to get there. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm joined as always by producer JT, who is a guy you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you on this uh, first episode post the season? We're here for the uh, the postseason. How are you? Or the I'm good. Wait, off the, season. That's the word. The off. Yes. We're the past off-season. the postseason. We're post postseason. We're on to the off season. We are on to the off season, and you know I, I'm good. Although I, I would argue that today, the day we are going live is sure. a much better holiday than tomorrow is and will ever be because today oh. is Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras to everybody really? who celebrates. Yes. That. Okay. Um, so I'll be going uh, possibly to my local New Orleans inspired dive bar tonight to mm, in- enjoy to some King Cake. drunk and, and throw around yeah, that's, necklaces. That's, and that's, that's definitely that's what, what I'm going to try to right? Yep. Yeah, yep. That's exactly what you do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I've got the holiday down, although I've never imbibed myself. Maybe one day I'll have to get down there. Um, we got a lot to talk about on today's show, and hopefully, fingers crossed, you're going to be able to hear me say all of those things because Xfinity has decided to the entire area where I live and apparently where Paul Kaharski lives and a bunch of us live here in Middle Tennessee, they've just decided to turn the internet off on a Monday all day, which is convenient. Thank you for that, Xfinity and Comcast. Appreciate that. They texted us. Hey, don't worry. It'll be back up by at least 2.30 p.m. And it is now 4.40 p.m. here, Central Standard Time. So they uh, over-promised, under-delivered on that one. So I'm work. Uh, full disclosure here, we're working off of a phone hotspot. Um, it's working so far, I believe. If at any point I just die, JT is going to pick up that baton that the evaporated form of myself has dropped onto the track surface. He's going to keep running with it until I somehow come back to life. But fingers crossed, um, AT&T and my phone hotspot will not let us down like Comcast and Xfinity did. We did a, a an episode of this show uh, 11 months ago. We went, went back and checked that we literally titled the Xfinity slander episode. So there's just something about post Super Bowl, the spring that they just it just is not their thing. Um, a couple of things before we dive into all of today's topics at the top. Of course, we got to talk about some Titans coaching staff news. They dropped a almost complete list of their new coaching staff under head coach Brian Callahan. We've got, I think, 21 names now on this list. Some new, some that we've known for a couple of days and weeks now. So we are going to dive into all of those guys and give a little bit of background on those guys. And we're not going to like sit and grade and be like, again, this happened, what, an hour ago, JT? I think it'd be disingenuous of JT and I to sit here and be like, this is a great hire because this is a bet like, We'll do background and, and give our initial thoughts on some of those guys. And um, a, a lot of assistant coaches performance is based on like, let's see them do their thing out there. And we'll have more of that coming up with spring training, OTAs, all of that good stuff. Rookie mini camp. We'll get an uh, opportunity to speak to them for the first time coming up in a couple of months. We've also got a little, I know every single sports talk podcast, radio, television product 
in the entire world does the what did we learn from the Super Bowl? What can the team that I cover learn from the teams that were all of that? It's it's a little contrived at this point. I think we can all agree. Um, there are some great versions of those episodes out there from other people, but we're not going to contribute to that mass of humanity. We are going to talk a tiny itty bitty bit, a little bit about the Super Bowl at the end. I had just have some thoughts on the Brady versus Mahomes discussion. We're not going to go full first take and spend 20 minutes on it, but just some interesting tidbits on that. And I think that there are some clarifying things to the goat discussion that should be put out there. And we should, as a society, pay better attention to the way that we use words and the, the things that we mean and, and all of these things. So um, I, I think that that will be a fascinating discussion, as well as some other news with uh, some very, very early tidbits of news from around the league on some free agents or some people that aren't going to become free agents after all. Uh, and then a little bit on the Chiefs and their drafts. That's the one segment of today's show that's going to be what can the Titans learn? Um, it, it, looking at the, how the Chiefs got here, how it really begins and ends with their draft strategy and how that can inform any team, especially the Titans and Rand Carthon, on, on how they should go about their draft. So a ton of ground to cover today. If you're with us live, appreciate you being here with us. Do us a couple of favors, okay? First of all, if you're watching live, on Twitter or on Facebook, do us a favor and go over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Find this live stream there in the comment section of that YouTube video. That's where you will be able to be a part of the conversation like AJ and DJ and Joey and D-Good and Kenneth all are. DJ saying, heck yeah, finally get to catch you guys on time. Let's go, DJ. We are very glad that you are here with us and we appreciate you hitting that like button. If the rest of you could join DJ and hitting that like button for us, it costs you nothing and it's very helpful to us. The risk reward on your end, incredibly low. And it is, it's just, we're not a charity case here, but we appreciate we're preventing, we're presenting you with, with entertainment and content and information here. The least you could do is hit like, and if you're not subscribed already to the Broadway sports media's YouTube page, hit subscribe. That button also free, also very helpful to us. So thank you for doing that. The last thing I'll ask is if you could hit retweet, hit like, hit share, whatever uh, you can do from a social media standpoint to help us get as many live eyeballs on today's show as possible to get as many folks in here in the conversation as possible. That would be much appreciated. And the last thing I have to mention before we dive into these head coach or excuse me, this coaching staff that head coach Brian Callahan has assembled is we are brought to you today as always by Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. We love being sponsored by Boomba's. We've had a heck of a time this year doing our live shows on Thursday nights before Thursday night football and then into the playoffs at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in Spring Hill. They've got three locations in the Middle Tennessee area, in Spring Hill, in Murfreesboro, and in East Nashville. Whichever one is nearest to you, go and check them out. Say that Easton and JT and the Hot Read Podcast sent you, and I promise you will not regret it. Delicious food at an affordable price, delicious drinks on tap, and great television situations to be watching any and all of the sports that you want to check out. Okay, all of the housekeeping out of the way, JT. Let's dive into the most important Titans-related news of the day. Titans making some significant additions, announcing some significant additions to their coaching staff, both new and old. Now, one small bit of just news, no, no opinion on this, but in case you have not heard, the Titans did announce earlier today that there will be a press conference held tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, at 12.30, I believe. Is that right, JT? Off the top of my head? I believe so, yep. Yeah, 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time with head coach Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator Nick Holtz, and defensive coordinator Denard Wilson introducing uh, Brian's two coordinators and talking through whatever questions we have for them. So we'll be looking forward to that, and I'm sure that will be a topic 
on Thursday's episode of the show. Um, but as for the rest of the coaching staff, let's just run down the almost complete list that we have now, and then we'll talk a little bit about each one of these guys. So the Titans have announced most of their staff up until this point, today being uh, Tuesday, February 13th. It's a pretty healthy mix, JT, of new faces and holdovers. So here's the complete list that we know of so far. you got head coach Brian Callahan, who comes by way of Cincinnati. You now have assistant head coach Tom Jones, who comes by way of Las Vegas. Offensive coordinator Nick Holtz, who comes from Jacksonville. Defensive coordinator Denard Wilson, who comes from Baltimore. Uh, a, a holdover, assistant special teams coordinator Anthony Levine Sr. Now you'll notice the Titans have not yet filled uh, their third coordinator position. There is no special teams coordinator on the staff yet, but there is an assistant special teams coordinator who was previously employed under the Mike Vrabel regime, and that's Anthony Levine Sr. On the offensive side of the assistant um, tree here, you've got quarterbacks coach Bo Hardegree, who comes from Las Vegas, wide receiver coach Tyke Tolbert, who comes from Chicago, assistant wide receiver coach Peyton McCollum, who comes from Indianapolis, running back coach Randy Jordan, who comes from Washington, a holdover in tight end Justin Otten, who's been here with Tennessee for a couple of seasons. Offensive line coach, you know him, Bill Callahan from Cleveland. And then three offensive assistants, who all three were previously with the Titans uh, before this season, Killian Butler, Matt Jones, and Luke Stocker. On the defensive side of the ball, you've got linebackers coach Frank Bush, who comes by way of Atlanta. Outside linebacker coach Ben Bloom, who comes from Cleveland. Defensive line coach Tracy Jackson, who comes from Philadelphia. Uh, excuse me. Tracy Rocker, yeah, that mis misprint there. Thank you for helping me on that, JT. Defensive line coach Tracy Rocker, who comes by way of Philadelphia. Assistant defensive line coach and uh, pass rush specialist, a holdover, previously with the Titans, Clinton McMillan. Clinton McMillan. Safety and secondary coach Steve Jackson, who comes from Atlanta. Corner cornerback and passing game coordinator Chris Harris, who was here with the Titans previously, uh, working with the entire secondary. And finally, defensive quality control coach, also previously with the Titans, Lori Locust, the lone female on the staff. Now, a couple of tidbits on these guys that um, some of our colleagues and friends, friends of the show, have pointed out on Twitter already before we dive into some background on each of them. Our buddy Zach points out that um, McCollum, who is now the assistant um, Yes, he is the assistant wide receiver coach, Peyton McCollum, coming from the Colts. He uh, was a defensive assistant there, is now on the offensive side of the ball, former quarterback coach for the Washington Huskies, so has experience on both sides of the ball. He worked with Brian Callahan in Detroit when he was there working with Matt Stafford, and he was an offensive assistant who worked with the wide receivers at the time. Um, our buddy Mike Herndon points out that Tracy Rocker, the new defensive line coach, is a big get in his opinion. Rocker is coming over from Philadelphia, where he worked alongside the new Titans defensive coordinator, Denard Wilson, in 2021 and 2022. He also spent time with the Titans organization in the past, from 2011 to 2013, and he oversaw the development of one young Jarrell Casey. Now, before I dive into some background on each of these guys, and we can kind of talk through our preliminary thoughts, JT, anything in the comments? I don't want to ne neglect our, our friends in the comments. What do they think so far of these coaching hires? Yeah, not too much in here except Kenneth who says and agrees with Mike that Tracy Rocker it feels like the biggest get. Um, and I think we can start there on him because I think out of all of these that we saw today, he is the biggest one. He definitely fills a hole that um, Coach T leaves behind on the defensive line there. And coming from a team who just like 
in the past couple of seasons just has repeatedly churned out really good defensive linemen. And that defensive yes. front seven has always yep. been really good. Having a chance uh, to reunite him with, with uh, Denard Wilson and, and get him in the building here and be able to kind of work with Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons and uh, Arden key. And a lot of these guys that, that are on this team and probably they will uh, draft in, in this upcoming draft and also beyond it's very exciting to see him in the building and rocker who is a 32 year coaching veteran. He's been coaching for a couple of years longer than you and I both have been alive. Um, he continued there. A couple of these guys that were announced for the first time today continues this trend with the Titan staff, where a lot of the guys at the top of the totem pole, Brian Callahan, Gerard Wilson, Nick Holtz, the, you know, Rand Carthon for his part, they're younger, innovative minds. They 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 have experience. They they all have experience, but they they're not the old heads who've been around for decades and decades. A lot of the assistant coaches under them are those guys, and I think that's a pretty valuable way to structure your coaching staff. You need experience somewhere, and while you're getting kind of the best of both worlds, where the guys at the top of the totem pole are those forward-thinking, fresh minds. Young, young guys who are going to push the envelope and, and take you into the future. You also have that firm bedrock, that base of experience, of knowledge, of NFL acumen in the guys that are working with and under them to mentor them on certain things, to provide insight and perspective on certain things, to, to be able to be you know le left to their devices with their position group. And you trust, hey, man, he's been doing this for 30 plus years. I don't, I don't have to micro, I don't have to like, you know, look over his shoulder and micromanage. He's, he's good. He's got it. Right. And, and I'm not saying that you should be hiring anybody you feel that way about, but there's a certain level of comfort. I think when you're a first time head coach, especially to let, you know, a guy, Bill Callahan, you know, Tracy rocker, I, defensive line, offensive line. Those coaches have been doing this for a long, long time. I trust that they know what they're doing and don't need any supervision. They're good. I can focus on the things that are most important to me, but we can start with rocker. A couple of things from his background, of course, with the Eagles in 21 and 22, uh, got to a Super Bowl with them. They were the second ranked total defense uh, when they got to the Super Bowl. 301.5 total yards per game allowed, tied for the third most sacks in NFL history, tied with 70 sacks that year. They also became the first team in NFL history to have four different players with double-digit sacks in the same season. He has been around the block, obviously, in 32 years, including stints at South Carolina, the University of Tennessee, and University of Georgia. 24 years as a collegiate coaching, uh, in a collegiate coaching career. He uh, had stops at his alma mater in Auburn, Mississippi, Arkansas, Cincinnati, Troy State, West Alabama. Uh, he's also mentored a number of NFL draft picks, including six All-Americans and two National Award winners. He got his first gig in the NFL with the Titans in 2011 through 2013. Those years, Tennessee produced the 10th most sacks in the league. And you had guys like Derek Morgan, who had a breakout year, had 59 tackles and 23 hits with six and a half sacks. Um, Carl Klug was on the team, uh, a young player who ranked first among rookie defensive tackles and sacks that year. Uh, and then, of course, young defensive end Gerald Casey, who registered the most tackles, 74, by any Titans defensive lineman that season. So he has got a really deep and diverse uh, resume, really, really lengthy trip around the world on a trip around the U.S., honestly, uh, as as a 
as a coach in, in numerous different defensive capacities. Uh, Tom Jones, we can touch on real quick. He is the first, maybe the only, but the first assistant head coach named to be working under Brian Callahan. Uh, assistant head coach is a position that I think a lot of people look at and they're like, okay, it's, you know, what exactly does that mean? What is that? And I'm sure they mean different things in different organizations, but in general, an assistant head coach is a guy that you can delegate to. He is a guy that you can trust to handle, you know, week to week, day to day operational things um, and, and be the leader in the room in your stead. So that that's an important person to have in your corner. Tom Jones, he joins the Titans uh, after spending 25 years with the Oakland and then the Las Vegas Raiders. His final two seasons with the Raiders were as vice president of football operations and assistant to the head coach. So he's got experience at this level. Um, he joined the Raiders as an intern in 96. So he was with them forever. Uh, so he's a guy that has a lot of experience out West. Let's and see. Probably ben some Bloom. connections with uh, Bill Callahan when he probably was on staff and coaching them as well. I believe it has to be that, because it, he was there the whole time. Areas. Yes. Yeah. Has to um, be. Yeah, definitely. So that's also one where you like, sorry to interrupt, but where you look into oh, that good. and say that, you see this kind of the web of what Callahan's like strings yes. right here is who, you know, and who you've worked with and you, who know who you, you may not be bringing in some of these coaches who are uh, in these positional groups who are at the fitting edge, but you know, you've seen their work and you've seen how they've been able to do it before. And you know, that's going to work within your system as well. Yeah. And that's going to be a recurring theme as we go through the background on some of these guys, because there is this web of past connections and crossing paths and working together and, and all of those things. Uh, the next guy that we heard about for the first time today is Ben Bloom, the outside linebackers coach. He was with Cleveland the past four seasons, entering now his 15th season as a coach in the NFL. <clears throat> he did a couple of things on both sides of the ball in Cleveland. He was the run game coordinator at one point and then transitioned to the defensive line coach last season. Of course, oversaw a couple of pretty good players up there, Miles Garrett. Uh, 2023 defensive player of the year is chief amongst them. Um, he, he went to Cleveland after spending about a decade in Dallas um, working with the linebackers there. So a lot of defensive and linebacking experience in his past. He was an assistant head coach and special projects coordinator with Dallas defensive ends with Dallas assistant defensive line and defensive ends with Dallas defensive quality control and assistant linebackers with Dallas, a ton of that front on the defense experience for Ben Bloom, who's going to be overseeing the Titans outside linebackers. Um, let's see who else uh, we knew about Steve Jackson, who is the secondary and safeties coach, but I don't think we've touched much on his background at all. Just a real quick refresher for anybody that wants to know a thing or two about Steve Jackson, who's going to be in charge of what needs to be a serious renovation project for the Titans and their secondary. Um, you know what, Steve, one could argue the only way you have to go is up. Um, rock bottom seems to be where the Titans are. I would advise you not to establish a, a new definition of rock bottom because that would be both impressive and difficult. Uh, he spent two seasons with the Falcons before he came and joined the Titans this offseason. Former Houston Oilers draft pick, played nine seasons for the Titans, and he's now entering his 21st season coaching the NFL. So he's an NFL lifer, obviously. Um, he was the senior offensive assistant with the Falcons when he joined in 22 and then went to coaching last season. He was the secondary and cornerbacks coach for the Bengals in 20 and 21. Um, just some, some of his squads 
performance under Jackson's guidance. Cincinnati's defensive backs limited opposing quarterbacks to 74.9 passer rating over their four game postseason run when they went to the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, prior to prior to being in Cincinnati, he spent two seasons with the Jets, um, also doing a defensive back coaching uh, and was with the Titans coaching in 16 and 17, actually did two seasons as the assistant secondary coach for the Titans. He was here at the beginning of Kevin Byard's career when Kevin Byard had his career high eight interception season tied for the most in the NFL that season. So he has been around the block. Um, just going to keep trucking through these for folks that are interested on, on all these guys, Frank Bush linebackers coach. Um, he is a, again, this theme of guys with a ton of experience. It's not really surprising JT, because we knew when Brian Callahan was hired, this guy's got a deep Rolodex. He's an NFL lifer. He's going to be able to bring in coaches that are not just some of the best at what they do, but have been around the block, have done a thing or two, have worked with, with his dad in the back in the day and, and grew up knowing him as a kid and a teenager and now as a coach and respects him and wants to go work with him and his dad. And Frank Bush, I think, absolutely fits that bill. 32-year NFL veteran in the coaching ranks. Uh, he was also a former Houston Oilers draft pick, so familiar with the organization. He spent the last three seasons also in Atlanta as a linebackers coach. He was with the Jets before that. So interesting how Frank Bush and Steve Jackson's careers have lined up. They, they, those two must work pretty well together on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he was with the Dolphins before that, uh, the Rams before that. He, he's, there's a lot of, I, I won't bore you with all of the information here, um, but he was with the Titans organization previously as a coach, again, in 11 and 12, a linebackers coach then. Before his stint in Tennessee, he spent four seasons with the Texans and the first two as a defensive senior assistant working with the defensive line and doing a lot of awesome things where you saw Mario Williams and D'Amico Ryans as a player. Uh, and Brian Cushing, all of those guys were Pro Bowl players under his tutelage in Houston. Um, you're just making sure I'm not missing anything here. Okay, so that's Frank Bush. Peyton McCollum, a new name today. He is the assistant wide receivers coach, and we can spend an actual uh, moment on him and, and what I think bringing him in is going to mean for the Titans. Now, this is a, a hire from, you know, in division. So it's somebody that the Titans are familiar with his work, obviously intimately familiar with his work. He was a defensive assistant though, for the Colts. So he's jumping to the other side of the ball. Now he brings nine years of coaching experience, including three in the NFL. So this will be his 10th year as a professional or collegiate football coach. He was an offensive analyst with Eastern Michigan before he joined the Colts staff. So he was back on the offensive side of the ball. Then, um, he spent two seasons with the University of Washington in 20 and 21 as the quarterback's coach. So this is a guy that clearly is just respected as a coach in general, not for his acumen in one specific sector of the staff or one uh, of, the, of the roster. Rather, he was the wide receivers coach at uh, North Carolina Central University back in 2019. Um, and so this guy is the opposite of what we've been talking about with these old heads, these guys that have been around the block two, three decades Clearly, he has risen up the quarterback ranks pretty rapidly. And you could look at it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Where you're like, oh, this guy he doesn't have a ton of experience. Like, what's the track record on him? The you know, if you go from in 2019 working as a wide receivers coach at North Carolina Central University to being a position coach in the NL and and being hired and rehired year over year, clearly you're a guy that has some some real prowess, it has some real staying power with with people that 
are above you and they want to hire you away and they want you on their staff. And so I think that he is an exciting hire uh, for the Titans for that reason. Um, who else should we talk about here? Bo Hardegree, we've kind of talked about coming from Vegas. Um, he's going to be the quarterback's coach. He's going to work intimately with Will Levis. So we've already brushed up on him. Randy Jordan is a guy that I think uh, people find interesting. He's one of the coaching hires. And again, people just say things based on like the bare minimum information on these coaches. You look at Brandy Jordan, who's a running backs coach coming from working the same job in Washington the past couple of seasons. Um, he's a former running back himself. Folks look at what he did in Washington and say, eh, you know what? Like, okay, Brian, Brian, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Brian Robinson, Jr. Um, uh, uh, Gibson, like, you know, what exactly did he do with those guys that there is anything to write home about? I don't know what your opinion is on this, JT. I, I kind of feel like when you're working with as abysmal an offensive line group as they had in Washington, as well as like two running backs that are fine, but they're not, you know, I, I don't regard them as top half of the league. I think, I think that yeah, he did I a think fine job with them. I think he did. I think he, I mean, he obviously has done well enough to be there for nine years. I believe he started in 2014, did he not? And now he's leaving to join Tennessee uh, in 2024. So almost yes. a decades spent with the uh, Washington Commanders and that franchise. Um, I believe that if, if that, if my knowledge serves me well i believe that's also during the alfred morris or like right on on the heels of alfred morris I and his breakout right. season um yeah. but also i think what to your point about brian robinson and antonio uh gibson it's a lot Ooh, of robinson had a scouting. thousand yards i think robinson year, by the way brian robinson was one this. of the more efficient this season um yeah. for a guy who last season is his second year um had a had a rough start to his rookie season getting shot in the leg but then was shot able to, in the leg but then yeah, was able I mean, to also on. perform in his first season and then last year like you said over a thousand rushing yards um obviously he's been doing this a long time and he's been doing it well enough that an nfl team one of 32 positions uh that he could have in that spot have kept him around for nearly a decade so at least i think he's done at least something correct you want one random thing on randy johnson that is just specifically tailored to you sure when he was working in the college ranks in 2011 with UNC, he helped a running back on that team lead the ACC in rushing yards with 1,228. Can you tell me who that running back is? He's a no. Bengals. He's a Bengals legend, and he's a lesser-known running back from recent years. I want to say, is it is it Jeremy Hill? No, it's Giovanni no, Bernard. Giovanni baby. was my other one. Yeah, when you said, I, I was going to say Gio, but then when you said lesser known, I said, oh, okay, maybe it's not Gio. Am um, I, is that, I'm sorry. Did I put some disrespect on Gio's I feel name? Like Gio, just I feel like is Giovanni Bernard is moderately is, known. I feel like he is. How many people, if you ask him on the street today, where is, who is Giovanni Bernard and where does he play? Would be like, able to get like NFL correct. fans or like yes, random yeah. people? No, NFL fans. NFL fans. I feel like. I feel like, like I'm eh. I'm a pretty big NFL watcher. I couldn't tell you for certain right now where he plays. I think I know, but I'm not sure. Giovanni's retired, bro. Like, okay, if that's, not, that's he what, just see, retired. Okay, that's my point, bro. That's that's my point. Like, I don't He's think a Super Bowl everybody champion with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. Okay, so like, yeah, that's I knew he was bouncing around. I didn't know if he stopped or not. Okay, all right, all right. No, but that Sorry, makes Gio. sense. I mean, Sorry, he's Gio. been around a lot of good talent. I feel like, and um, he's never been the alpha in the NFL, but he's been a great. No. 
doing great, great too. Anyways, this is not the Giovanni Giovanni Bernard podcast. We do have other things to talk about. Um, that's pretty much everybody. Of course, I won't go. Th- we've talked about Bill Callahan. You know the skinny on him. So that is about thirty minutes there of some basic background on a lot of these guys. Again, we're gonna get to know these guys and talk to them and 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 form a stronger opinion on a lot of them coming up shortly. But for now, we can move on. Oh, one last thing on staffing. I forgot. So a lot of Titans fans, very interested in the situation around the strength and conditioning. Obviously, two, three years in a row now, maybe four, actually, now I'm losing count. They have dealt with a, let's just say an outsized number of injuries. Now, injuries are a fickle thing, and a lot of luck is involved or bad luck. And sometimes it just, it is what it is, man. But when you are consistently a team in the NFL, that has an outsized number of injuries to key players. And it's a recurring theme and, and you you can't quite figure out why a lot of fingers get pointed towards the strength and conditioning staff. The, the sport, I think the Titans refer to them as director of sports performance is the title there. And then the guys under him, assistant directors of sports performance, Frank uh, Pirano was that guy for the Titans the past couple of seasons. He is no longer on the Titans staff, to my understanding. He's certainly not listed um, on on this list of new people, but his assistants from that strength and conditioning department are. So Brian Bell, Tyler Russe, Rousset, and uh, Haley Roberts are all still on the staff, but Frank no longer. You think back to when Rand Carthon held his press conference at the end of the year. Well, not the end of the year, when Mike Rabel got fired at the end of the year. Uh, talking about how that's important to them. They're going to do everything they can to get to the bottom of it. It seems like a fresh perspective, a, a fresh leader in the sports performance department was on on the bill for getting to the bottom of this. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you. I think it is something has to change, right? In this this theme of the last couple of years where the Titans continue to do the same thing with no results, you got to shake it up. And I think that's what's happening here, at least with the leadership. And that is pretty telling to see a lot of the staff be retained, but not the head of, of the department here. Before we move on, there's a couple of questions here in, in the chat. Yeah, um, Mikey says, excited to see what this secondary looks like. Denard Wilson and Chris Harris being respected. I think that is a mm-hmm. definite uh, improvement despite the talent. I was really last glad year. they kept Harris because I think yes, Harris got I a agree. bad rap last year. I think you and I agree on this. You know, He's a guy that clearly is a very good coach, in my opinion, from what I have just seen with my own eyes and the way that he interacts with his players, the way that his players talk about him. I have I have no doubt that a lot of what happened last year, if not all of what happened last year, was on the fact that just you know you you brought him in and you said fix this and you gave him some toothpicks and Elmer's glue and said good luck. It's, he's not, he's a good coach. He's not a he's not Jesus. He's not a miracle worker, right? Yeah, I mean that's pretty fair. And then True Hype says the two line coaches alone are great gets. And then Tim Lee here says any concerns with not having any candidates for special teams coordinator. Tim, I wouldn't say concerns, but I, I mean, I think it's strange at this point. Um, there was uh, the guy's name. There's so many names we're going through here. He's, he's escaped my mind. There was a guy that the Titans were announced to be interviewing for the position. I believe he ended up with Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. The guy, he was coming from the Giants. Is this, you know what I'm talking about? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, but I, I do not remember, remember his name. name. <laughs> just, just just do me a favor, JT. Google Tampa Bay special teams coordinator. I think that's where he landed. Um, and the, and the Titans lost out on that one. Now, a lot of people pointed to the Giants track record on special teams recently and a lot of Giants fans uh, online being like Thomas McGahee, I believe. 
Megahi, Megahi, yeah, Megahi, I think, I yeah, think that's those who it is. I believe that's yes. who it is. Don't hold us uh, to that. He, he's going to Tampa after six seasons with the with the Giants. So okay, so I was right. That that was the guy that they interviewed. Um, Tim, it could just be a, a result of them, you know, like they, that was the guy that they had earmarked. They they lost out on the bidding war for him, and now they're back to the drawing board. Um, I, I think some people are going to point to the fact that there's an assistant special teams coordinator already on the staff, but not a special teams coordinator being like, that's strange. That's what you want your special teams coordinator to have input on that. In general, I, I, I get, I get the thinking there. The fact that the guy who's staying is a holdover and they like, it's a guy that was on the staff under contract. Brian Callahan came in and said, I like this guy. I would like to find a place to put him. Here's a place I'll put him here. And whoever is going to come in, like they're going to, they're going to be over him. I don't really see that as super strange. There are some folks on the radio that I can think of that might kind of play that kind of thing up and really lean into it, but that's not what we're going to do here. Um, it's, it is interesting until it's not, it's strange until it's not, I wouldn't say it's a concern. It's a long time. And like, let's everybody safe space. Everybody lean in real quick. As football fans, do, does anybody here actually, like, does any, do any of us, does any amongst you actually believe that a special teams coordinator is that important? Like you need one that doesn't suck. You need one that's not going to get your punter, you know, your MV punter killed and hit twice in a game. That's important. Like the, the floor requirement. Yes. But you know, unless you have bill mother bleeping Belichick as your special teams coordinator, John Harbaugh as your special teams coordinator guys that like have somehow made a name for themselves in the past as STCs. Man, like you just, you know, you just need a guy that's knows just competent. Just don't mess it up, right? Am I, am I downplaying the position too much? I don't think anybody, if they're being I honest, mean, actually it, thinks it matters that much. I mean, I think I think to a team, special teams does matter. Uh, but I, players, I, I get, I get, yes. I, get what, I get what you're saying though. It, it is not the end of the world unless you do have Craig Ackerman as your special teams coach. And he right. does He's get your most valuable does player not, does not reach the, the yes. bare minimum floor requirement. Yes. He did not. So just don't get one of those. Um, <laughs> Ackerman getting interviews by the way, which is funny to me. Um, okay. If people in the comments that are watching live, like chime in on this. Am I crazy for I really don't think I'm crazy for saying it's, it's no matter who they hire. It's going to be a name that you almost certainly one have never heard of, and two are not really moved by. Let's let's be honest about this. Okay, one big segment down, JT. Uh, how has the internet gone? Am I? Can you hear me? Can you see me? You're has, great. It, has it been? Yeah, all okay, good. golden. Thank you, AT and T. Screw you, Xfinity. Uh, we are brought to you today by Boombox Craft Pizza and Tap House. Shouting them out again because we love being sponsored by them. Check out one of the three Middle Tennessee locations near you for some of the best pizza you've ever had in your life. You've got East Nashville, Spring Hill, Murfreesboro. No excuses. If you live in this area, there is one that is near you, and I promise you'll not regret going to visit them. Tell them JT Easton and the Hot Read Podcast sent you. And if you're with us live today, we appreciate you joining us. If you joined us midway through, go back and watch it from the beginning. But before you do, hit subscribe, hit like, hit retweet, whatever you can do to help us out. That would be very appreciated. Okay, JT, we I'm going to give our dear listeners who are here with us live a sneak peek as to what the next couple of weeks look for us. We're going to be at the Combine again, which we've mentioned before, I believe. But if not, we'll be back there. It's going to be awesome. We've, bigger and better. We've already got plans. It's it's very nice, JT. We were talking about this the other day. It's very nice to have done something like that once. And so we're not going to – because remember last year, we spent like the first 
48 hours just kind of like figuring out how it worked and it was by day three we were like okay now i get this this makes sense to me now we're oriented we know where the things are and what the schedule is i'm stoked to be going into it knowing what the day-to-day is knowing what the the schedule looks like and i have way more rodeo anymore it's it's not my first rodeo partner this is my second rodeo i've doubled (laughs) my rodeos um so yeah it's gonna be a good time and we'll have a daily show from there we'll do at least five maybe six shows live from the combine a lot of guest appearances on the show some big names you know of will get their insight on the draft and all these things it's going to be awesome you're not going to want to miss it that is not this week not next week but the next week so we've got two weeks to fill between the super bowl and the combine today we're doing this uh on thursday we have got a special guest joining the show whose name i will not divulge quite yet but this this topic we're going to be discussing is right up their alley we're essentially going to be doing a NFL offseason for dummies episode. We're going to be going through all of our tips, tricks, reminders, and pet peeves when it comes to how a lot of fans and media approach the offseason, essentially covering all the things that you need to keep in mind so that you can make sure to sound smart when you're talking about these things for the next couple of months, right? We'll talk about how the draft and free agency marry together and work in unison, about draft philosophy and mock draft procedure let's say uh we'll talk about guys that are and aren't available we'll go through the basics of um of the tags that are placed on players by certain teams we'll go over some basic trade economics all of those things um and this guy that we're, we're going to have on the show is a friend of the show and this is right up his alley so we'll be doing a, a fact finding mission on that on thursday it's going to be a very good episode as well as recapping i'm sure what we heard and saw at the press conference from the titans uh new head coach and coordinators from wednesday Next week, we've got some plans. Uh, Should I divulge this? I think I will. Uh, We've got plans for a a former NFL GM to be joining us on the show next week before the combine, which, you know, could change. They're going to be on the show eventually. I think it's going to be next week. So that's sick. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to talk a lot about Brian Callahan and Rand Carthon and the job of GM and relationship building and a lot of things that this guy is kind enough to join us and talk about his actual experience doing this for many, many, many years. So we're stoked about that. That's one you will not want to miss. And then some combine preview, I think, will be uh, uh, of note. And we'll be diving into a lot of these prospects. So that's what the next couple of weeks for us look like. I say all of that to say there is a guy we're going to talk about right now who I think is going to be a, a part of a much larger discussion on our Thursday show talking about offseason pet peeves. But JT... I'll let you give us just the surface level explanation as to what we heard about T Higgins today. Yeah. So obviously this is the biggest one and and you brought up, brought it up in a really great way today. Uh, I believe you tweeted out wide receivers who are definitely available this off season that my team must get because they are in fact available. They and are in list, fact available. I've been reliably that, that list uh, had T Higgins on it. It had mm-hmm. Michael Pittman Jr. And then after mm. some certain maybe frustrating and, and maybe lack of control Instagram stories and, and tweets some, today. Some uh, shots from the hip on the social media. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brandon Ayuk joins that list. So that list wow. that once you was. Know, hang three, on. You though, said you said it did contain T. Higgins. What happened? Because I was reliably informed this is a guy that the Titans could go after. Well, it was reported earlier today by Paul Daner Jr. and a bunch of other uh, sources that the Titans or not the Titans, the Bengals will uh, be indeed most likely tagging T Higgins, which oh. is 
ultimately the correct move and the only move that this How team can make. How could we have seen make. this coming, JT? I, I wish somebody had mentioned this on their show months ago at this point. Uh, like, I, I'm glad that that's early being taken care of. Uh, yes, they're, they're not. That's not happening. You know, that's. And it's it's interesting we, we, because, we, of, of course, covered uh, um, after I, I forgetting his name, but uh, the guys over at the sick podcast who did an absolutely great job last week at the uh, Super Bowl media week, um, they got an interview with with T who, to his credit, also did a lot for himself as well. And sure. obviously, when you're asked, would you like to play for a team? Would you like to play for so and so? Uh, you're not going to bat anything down, obviously, because these are opportunities that you could have down the line. But it, it was it, it had to be taken with a grain of salt because, yes. as T. Higgins said, it would be ideal to be reunited with. He Brian essentially Callahan. said that'd be cool. It's not going to happen, but I mean, like, that's going to be cool. Sure, why not? Despite three hours earlier wearing <laughs> matching Letterman jackets with Jamar Very Chase, cute. saying yeah. the plan is to stay in Cincinnati. That's where I want to be, and that's what we're going to work towards. And I think that's what Cincinnati wants to work towards, and this is really why. Uh, Paul Daniel Jr. is doing a four-part series on The Athletic about uh, T. Higgins and, and franchise tagging and all of that, so that'll be really interesting. Four but, parts? Yes. Holy. So um, okay. from his first part today, um, obviously the franchise tag has a deadline of 4 p.m. on March 5th, and then the start of free agency will be two weeks later during the new league year, which I believe doesn't start until March 13th. But uh, franchise tags do have to be done by March 5th. And I, I would be surprised if this if the Cincinnati Bengals take more than another week or two um, to tag him or at least let teams know that they're tagging him because they really do have four options here. They can mm -hmm. franchise tag T. Higgins at one year and $20.7 million. They right. can franchise tag him as well and then trade him to a team willing to pay him long term and give up compensation at the same time, mm -hmm. which also, by the way, would include the franchise tag. It's not like I mean, you can probably yes. restructure the deal down the road. But if you are trading for T Higgins or any guy who's on the franchise tag, you are getting on the books for that one year, twenty point seven million dollars. Hang on. Are you sure about that? That you can't because I know the original team, you can tag a guy. And then agree to a long-term extension later and the tag goes away. Is yes. that the case? But the, if it's a trading team, you have to do the, you have to make sure you here? have, yeah. Cause at, at first you had for the trade to go through, you have to have the sufficient cap room before anything else can go through. So okay. you can work, like you but said, you like, can't, you can't later once having traded for the guy, then go and do a long-term deal and erase the tag. You, you can, you down can, the road. but for, Signing, okay, so at yeah. first you are you, signing at up. At first that you have number. to make sure okay. that I see you have saying. the room yeah, yeah. to trade for to that player. Luckily, sure. it really doesn't matter for the Titans since they have they the do, number they have one the cap room yeah. Uh, yeah. in the league. However, um, Daner goes on. There's two other options as well where uh, Daner says, Higgins signs a long-term term contract extension before the franchise tag deadline could happen. Or the fourth and least likely option uh, no tag or extension for Higgins, and he walks in free agency where the Bengals would potentially add a 2025 comp uh, compensation pick. Um, yeah. here, here's what he goes on to say real quick before we before we move on okay. on him and why th this really was never going to happen for the Titans. He goes mm -hmm. on in this article to say, using the tag for Higgins to play in 2024 marks the most likely scenario and one accounted for in Burrow's contract. When Burrow signed his $275 million deal, the extension didn't kick in on the cap until the 2025 season. 
That leaves Burrow's cap number this year at the 29.7 million fifth year option of his rookie contact contract before ballooning to 46.3 million the next season the difference can essentially be moved to higgins bank account which i believe is what is going to happen uh eventually for for the cincinnati team and we've got a couple examples of guys that have been tagged and traded it's not impossible would the titans do it i i just don't they don't have the trade compensation on the draft side necessary to just like if they were they were just a glut of draft picks like some other teams are perhaps, but the Titans are operating with, I think seven picks this year, which you know, you've only got two in the top 100. Some recent guys in 2022, we saw Devonte Adams, right? He was with the Packers. They tagged him and traded him to the Raiders and got a first and a second in return. Uh, in 2018, Jarvis Landry, before he was totally washed was with the dolphins. They tagged him and traded him to the Browns for a fourth and a seventh. So you're not you're not tagging and trading and giving away pennies for a guy for a guy like T Higgins. He'd come in, I'd imagine, if you were to tag and trade with him um, somewhere in between Adams and Landry. Right. It would be tag and trade and you got to give up a second and a third or a, you know, a single yeah, it, first. It's either it's either a day one pick or an early day two pick plus more, I think, is, is what. Is uh, yeah, what yeah, yeah. I think like a single be. first or maybe a two and a two or a two and a three at minimum. Um, so just, I just, I don't see that happening. So I think that the folks should put him on the, on the back burner. Okay. We'll talk more about some of those guys, a big topic on Thursday, just spoilers going to be guys that are available. Aren't necessarily actually available, like do your homework. Okay. Let's move on to some chiefs things. And again, we're not going to spend an hour on this, but just some thoughts on them to wrap up the 2023 season. Um, the one thing we'll talk about on today's show about what the Titans can learn from the chiefs is the fact that it all begins and ends with drafting well. And yes, having Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey certainly helps on the road to winning Super Bowls, but you have to draft well and the bones of your team have to be good. And I think in general, JT, this notion that the Chiefs were a terrible team was overblown. Reality is it's, it's expectations minus reality is, is where the narrative sits, right? And the expectations for the Chiefs are so sky high that whenever they're not the best team in the league, People were like, this team sucks, when in reality, they're like probably just above average. That's what the team was a lot of the regular season. They turned it on and put it together towards the back at, you know, in December and January and February at the right time. That's what championship teams do. But I think largely folks looked at this team and said, okay, Patrick Mahomes, he's got no receivers. They, they just don't have any. Like He's got none. And so no receivers means no good players. It, it, that became the whole team is bad. Man, their defense rocked. They've got a, they've got some elite personnel on defense. Some guys that you don't necessarily know their name by heart. Not a super household name, but like Leo Chanel, um, uh, Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis. Th these are some, Nick Bolton. These are some guys that are are dudes, and they're young, and they are getting better in a hurry. Um, and and so that defense with Spagnolo, fantastic. And on offense, you still got Travis Kelsey. You got Isaiah Pacheco, who's a very good. Um, creator and the offensive line really came together down the stretch. Now, what in particular I want to touch on is how having as many swings of the bat in the draft as you possibly can also very good and helpful to you when you are an organization like the Chiefs, who is you know very good at evaluating prospects, evaluating day two and day three guys, finding those diamonds in the rough. In the rough, that is a huge deal. Um, 
And so having even later round picks, but an abundance of them, like last uh, two years ago, the Chiefs draft class that was a big part of this group that that got them here, right? Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, Leo Chanel, Isaiah Pacheco, all four of those guys from the 2022 draft class. That's two first rounders, a third rounder, two late first rounders, I might add, a third rounder and a seventh rounder. And also it, it, yeah. it should be said that uh that chiefs the the reason the chiefs were able to land trent mcduffie is because mm. they moved up with buffalo who traded with the chiefs there uh to take trent mcduffie when the bills totally could have had him and took kair alam who is <laughs> like one of one of the first round yeah not um, able to get on the field which which is but, a it's huge <laughs> huge yes. for them and that is a, a great point but what i was going to say here is it's not that they nailed their draft and like oh four of their six picks they hit no, they hit on four of 10. They had 10 picks that year. They hit on four of them. When you are, they weren't all the top round picks, right? It's the, both of their firsts, which that's, you know, that's, you'd say, well, it's the first round. It's easy to hit. Well, there's a lot of, it's, if you're a Titans fan, you know, it's it's quite easy to miss. So it's important to hit on those guys. Third round and seventh rounder. You found you found some guys at the top that were studs and you evaluated them correctly. You, you avoided the landmine players and you found some guys in the later rounds that were going to be value picks, the bargain bin guys that turn out to be contributors for really, really cheap in terms of capital. That Those are the two things that great organizations do when they are great at drafting. And it helps to have 10 swings of the bat in a draft like that. You can still find guys later in the draft if you have a lot of it. The draft is a game of probabilities, right? And even though a lot of the day three guys are low probability players to, to become much of anything, you, you know, you, you buy 40 lottery tickets, you're going to hit on some of them. That's how it works. And so you're going to hit on some of these guys. And, and I, I, I see a lot of folks in, in Titans media and Titans fans who, who are constantly talking about how uh, trading down is over. It's overblown. You know, you got to stay at the top and get your blue chipper guy. And again, I won't go down that road too much because we're going to talk about it a lot on Thursday and how I think that people look at the draft kind of the wrong way sometimes in that regard. But having more picks in general is a very good thing when, a very important when, you are good at drafting guys in the later round, which I believe Rand Carthon is and has proven himself to be. But just in general, they draft, like, their drafts the past four years have been the opposite of what the Titans do in terms and of it, have done. It, and it's really important draft. to note that um, in 2022 and 2023, they did have first round picks, but in 2020 and 2021, zero first round picks for them. Mm. And in those two drafts, they were still able to, in 2020, come away with Willie Gay Jr. as mm. the 63rd overall pick and Legereus Sneed, the 138th pick. And then in 2021, with no first round pick, uh, getting Nick Bolton at 58th and Creed Humphreys at 63. Um, and I think that's, it, that's what we're going to talk about all draft season, right? Is that you really do sometimes have to build a championship winning team through the meat of the draft. And there may be no meteor draft than, than this one upcoming mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. the second and the fourth round. And right now, Rand Carthen has, has not a lot of picks in, in that, in that spot. So when we talk about trading uh, down and as we go into this, it's going to be very interesting to see if that is a really viable option because of how talented and deep this class is. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, okay, last thing I want to talk about today. I just want to touch on Brady versus Mahomes a little bit. Let's talk about the GOAT discussion, and then we can get out of here. Um, here's my general thought, JT. This is my biggest takeaway from, from watching Mahomes the past six years. You might think, and there are a lot of folks that do, that Patrick Mahomes has quite a bit further to go to catch Tom Brady in the GOAT discussion. 
that's fine. It, it all depends on what criteria you value the most in the go. What does greatest mean to you, right? But at a bare minimum, I think this is now a Tiger versus Nicholas dis discussion. Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, turn of the century. Tiger Woods is coming on as the hottest golfer in the world, rises meteorically and murders everybody for half a decade to a decade long, right? It was when we were younger. I've gone back and watched a lot of it because I'm a big golf nerd. There was a period in which uh, my, fav my favorite stat ever is like there was a six-year span, I believe, where Tiger Woods in all majors was like 198 under par in all of them combined. And the next best guy was like 42 over par. He just killed everybody. That's what I think this is right now, right? You got one guy who still has more accolades, quite a few more accolades. He's dominated for longer, at least for now. That's your Jack Nicholas. That's your Tom Brady. But everybody's eyes tells them what's obvious about this new guy, right? You've never seen anything like it. Never seen anybody this dominant. Nobody has ever had the, you know, the X amount of consecutive years run that this guy has had. And that's not just anecdotal. That's based on stats, right? You look at the NFL in totality, try to find the best five, half a decade, take a half a decade span, the best five-year run that anybody has had at the quarterback position, any team has had in general. It's the New England Patriots from 2014 to 2018. So 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. Those five years, they won the Super Bowl three times. They lost the Super Bowl once, and they had one AFC championship game loss. In the past five years, the Chiefs have done the exact same thing. Three rings, one loss, one championship game loss. Their championship game loss was in overtime. And in the regular season, this Chiefs team in the past five years has won more games than that New England team did. So it's the better run. No one has ever done what Patrick Mahomes has done. He's started 96 games in his career. Only three of them has he been beaten by more than one score. Three. That's it. You look at the pace, right? Talking about, well, is Brady on, or is Mahomes on pace to catch Brady? He's on pace to beat Brady. Now, there's no, there's no way to possibly say that it will keep up this way, but so far, so good, right? He's only 28 years or 28, 29, 28 years old, I think. Patrick Mahomes is. He's got a long career ahead of him, barring any significant injuries. And if you look at this point in their career, at this age, this many seasons in, um, well, you look at, sorry, you look at Mahomes this far in versus Brady in totality. Just percentages. Brady is Super Bowls, uh, seven of, wait, this is very confusing. Super Bowl, oh, play, uh, I think I wrote that wrong. I'm ignoring that because I wrote that wrong, right? No. Okay, never mind. You, this is great good? radio. Yeah, I'm good. I just said an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> Super Bowl appearances. So, I did. Super Bowl appearances, right? Yes. Uh. 22 possible. No. 22 okay. Possible. Thank you. Thank you. 22 yes. years that yes. Brady could have won. I, he won yes. seven. Of and them. I'm sitting here thinking like, I, of course he was in 10 Super Bowls, not 22 years total. Thank you. Super Bowl wins in total seasons. They played. Here we go. Tom Brady, 22 years. He got to, he won seven of those years. He won the ring 32%. Patrick Mahomes has won three of the six years. He's played 50%. Appearances. Brady got to 10 in his 22 years, 45% of the time he was there. Mahomes, three of six, or excuse me, four of six now. Uh, 50% or four of six is uh, 66%. And then championship game appearances. 
Brady, 14 of 22 years. He got to the championship game 64% of the time. Mahomes, six of six. He's never missed one. So that was a very painful, I've eventually got their way of saying, this guy's he's doing the thing, right? Before I go any further, JT, what is your opinion of this discussion? I mean, it's undoubted. Like, he is inevitable. It's just how it is right now. And I don't think it's just because of him. I think it's because of the situation that he's been dropped into. Um, if I think there is a discussion to have that if he went anywhere else, would we see this kind of dominate dominance in the domination of, of Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs? Maybe not. I think it, it really was the perfect match where, uh, I mean, you can, you can look at Andy Reid having just no success whatsoever before getting to Kansas city, the, the amount kind of 15. what Kyle Shanahan, what Kyle, what Kyle Shanahan's going through right now, just getting so close <laughs> and never coming up. And then he finally gets his golden goose, which is Patrick Mahomes. And the two of them are just unstoppable. So I think, um, wow, I believe Patrick Mahomes is, is probably the best quarterback ever. Um, th- I think the, the situation also is just perfect for him as well. Yep, I agree. Uh, one last thing. I, there's been a lot of Brady versus Mahomes talk online the past couple of days, which is natural after a Super Bowl win by one of them. I don't know if you've noticed this. I've seen a lot of folks in these discussions on Twitter some old heads just try to sneak in Joe Montana to the discussion. It's like no disrespect to the great Joe Montana, but y'all like y'all for real. Gotta let, you gotta let Joe go. It's time to let that argument go. It he's, he's at best the third. Like it's not, it's not a discussion. And a lot of guys will be like, well, you weren't even around to watch him. Yeah, you're right, Jim. I can't go back in time and watch it live. Can I, but I've watched a heck of a lot of his best moments and his most important moments and some of his worst moments. I've seen a lot of it. It's it's out there. I, I've used my eyes. It's it's different. It, he's 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 he was great. He was amazing. He was one of the best to ever do it. In fact, the third at best. Um, okay, and just in general, my my per, my perception of the goat discussion is that it's frustrating because everybody has different terms. You know, like I I wish the goat discussion <clears throat> was broken up into the goat discussion and the boat discussion. Right, you got the greatest in terms of production. The guy like the rings, all about the rings. Who's got the rings? Who's got the resume? That's still Brady, right? Definitely still Brady. But then the best of all time, who's the best to do it? Like it's, I think it's pretty clearly Mahomes, and I don't think Brady's two either. I think it's Mahomes, and then a couple other guys. Like I think Peyton is above Brady. I think uh, Rogers is above Brady. I, I think that there's some discussion to be had in there. Um, any thoughts on that before we get out of here? No, because I I think I disagree with where you're placing Tom Brady and all of that, but uh, that's another 15 to is 20 he minutes. On, on the best of all time? Is he two then? I, I mean, I don't know if you can put... I mean, Just talent? Talent. On talent? I, I Still, I don't know. I mean, I think talent also gets you results. I think there's a world where talent also gets you to the results. Is there an argument that he is a better quarterback than Mahomes? No, I don't think I don't think there's any. Okay, so no. we agree that Mahomes is one. He is the best. No, that's what, to ever I, yeah, play all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that uh, after right. Mahomes, we we could have another right. argument right. about 15 to 20 minutes about where right, we're going on the hot read podcast late night stream. We'll be getting live <laughs> at 9 p.m. tonight. We're going to spend three hours debating where exactly Tom Brady falls on that list. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Until Thursday, uh, we're going to shut it down here on the hot read pod. Appreciate everybody coming in for a real potpourri of discussion topics. Thursday show, I promise, will be a lot more uh, coordinated. It's going to be a lot of fun. With our mystery guest to be revealed later, you can find out who is going to be joining us for our dummies guide to the NFL offseason on Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter at Hot Read Pod, 
You can follow us there on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. It's at Hot Read Pod across all those platforms. And then, of course, on YouTube, Broadway Sports Media. Find that channel. Subscribe. Help us out. We want to get that subscriber count up to 1,000 before draft season ends, which is a lofty goal. But I think we can do it. So help us out by doing that. If you watch and you're not subscribed, until Thursday, for producer JT, I'm your host, Eastern Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you then. (laughs) 